Hey, Foreclosure Fix family, and welcome to the Foreclosure Fix podcast, where our goal is to help 1 million homeowners successfully navigate foreclosure. I'm your host, DJ Alojo, and if this mission resonates with you, please do us a favor. Like, subscribe, and tell someone who you know may need the information. As I always tell you all, I search high and low to bring you all the best experts to talk to you about how to resolve your foreclosure situation. And today, please, I need you to buckle your seatbelts and get ready because I have attorney Roger Kraft with us. Roger, welcome to the phone. I'm welcome to the podcast. How you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, DJ. Attorney Kraft is a licensed attorney in Utah. He's also a small claims judge. But more importantly than that, he is a father, a husband, and just a phenomenal person. So I really appreciate you being here with the audience today. No problem. Happy to do it. Attorney Kraft, see, one of the things that I will say to you openly and candidly right now is that you are probably the only guest who I may be jealous of because you probably have a better radio voice than I do. And that's probably because your background is both in radio and also as a truck driver. And so in your expertise and, and your profession, I know that you have dealt with folks in tough situations um, as you do a lot of work around the bankruptcy side. One of the things that we want to dive into today with you is what options folks in foreclosure have as it pertains to bankruptcy and how to use that to their advantage and not just really just only their advantage, but how to best position themselves if they want to look at using bankruptcy while in foreclosure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's different options out there, but usually by the time somebody gets to me, those options have narrowed, you know, it's it, uh, by the time, by the time they're calling a bankruptcy attorney, they've kind of run out of other options. And so when they get to me, even if we're doing a bankruptcy, um, there's very few options. So you said there are very few options. If someone is in pre-foreclosure, right? So they haven't necessarily been served. It's more of a demand, they miss some payments. Is that the best time to file bankruptcy or, or kind of what should their mindset be if they're looking to file bankruptcy in pre-foreclosure and or foreclosure? Yeah, it might not be the best time to file. It might be, but it might not be. But what it is the best time for, it's the best time to contact a bankruptcy attorney for sure. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to wait until, you know, the night before that lender is on the courthouse steps auctioning off your house, right? Yeah. If, you, if you come to me and they're about to auction your house off the next day, now my options are limited. It's going to be more expensive for you. I'm going to be, you know, sitting in my office until midnight trying to put your stuff together to stop that foreclosure. So, yeah, pre-foreclosure, before they file the notice of default or, or whatever it is, you know that you're behind on house payments. You can kind of see what's coming. And that's the best time to at least contact a bankruptcy attorney so that we can sit down with you and say, all right, here's your options. And, and it might not be filing bankruptcy. That might not be a good option, but at least you'll know. And we can sit there and say, let's let's look at X, Y, and Z instead of bankruptcy. So I'm a homeowner in foreclosure or pre-foreclosure. And I'm saying, hey, I don't necessarily have the money. Bankruptcy may be an option. I want to call an attorney like you. I want to call attorney Roger Kraft, right? What do I need to be prepared to discuss? What do I need to be prepared to say? What documents do I need to have available? What mindset should I have going into that type of conversation? Well, first thing I'm going to ask you, if you're that homeowner, is I'm going to ask, you know, the big question, do you want to keep the house, right? Do you want to stay in that house? Because sometimes the answer really is no. I just filed a bankruptcy for a couple who uh, they were behind on house payments. Things were going bad for them. And I asked that question, do you want to, do you really want to keep this house? It was kind of a dilapidated house. And when they really sat down and thought about it, they said, you know, actually, we, 
don't really care if we keep the house or not. Well, now you've opened up some options for me, but that's the first question. If you want to keep that house and you're behind on those house payments, um, now we've got to start talking about the way that we keep that house through a bankruptcy. Yeah. And it's going to, it's going to put us into a discussion as to whether we do a chapter seven or a chapter 13. If you want to keep that house and you're behind on house payments, 90% of the time, we're going to be talking about a chapter 13 where we put together a plan and you repay those arrearages that you're behind. And so if you come in and sit down with me and we're talking about a chapter 13, I'm going to need to know, you know, how far are you behind on those house payments? What steps uh, has the bank taken to foreclose? Where are they at in their procedure? Um, and then, you know, what, what's your source of income? What are your other assets? Because we have to make sure we can formulate a plan that shows that you can afford to make those back payments over a period of time. You said chapter 13. Before we dive more into chapter 13, can you just let our listeners know like the different type of back bankruptcy options available? So I know there's chapter 13, chapter seven, chapter 11, but which ones are most common for folks going through kind of foreclosure or just for homeowners, not necessarily businesses? Yeah, for, for foreclosure uh, clients, you're talking about a chapter 13. The big difference between those two, there's chapter seven and there's chapter 13. Those are the most two common types of bankruptcy for just average everyday consumers. So a chapter seven is going to be a liquidation. A chapter seven, uh, a trustee is appointed to come in and look at your assets, take whatever assets they're allowed to take, sell those assets, and then distribute money to creditors. Okay. So if you've got a whole bunch of assets and and they're really valuable, there's a lot of value there. You, you don't want to lose those assets. We don't want to do a chapter seven. Yeah. Um, so then we're talking about a chapter 13. And so 90, Nine percent of the time, if you are behind on house payments and you're trying to keep that house and we're filing a bankruptcy, we're, we're doing it through a chapter 13. Occasionally, you'll have somebody where we do a chapter 11. Um, not very common and much more complicated. We probably don't want to get into those nuances on your show, but uh, most people you're talking about a chapter 13. Got you. And so when you talk about a chapter 13, right, what about that process makes it the best for the potential homeowner? The fact that they get to keep their home or the fact they get to restructure their payments, kind of what benefits to the homeowner are available to them to, under a chapter 13? Well, first benefit is we're going to stop that foreclosure. The bank cannot move forward with the foreclosure. They have to stop it immediately. So again, I can do that at, you know, two o'clock in the morning if I have to, to stop a sale that's at 10 o'clock that morning. Um, but it's going to stop the bank from moving forward. So that's the first benefit. The second benefit really is we're going to put together a plan and these chapter 13 plans last anywhere from three to five years. Okay. And we're going to take those arrearages that you have, and we're going to spread those out over that three to five year period. So you don't have to come up with this huge lump sum of money all at once. We're going to be able to spread that out. Now, the caveat there is you can't stop making your payments, right? As soon as we file that bankruptcy, you have to continue to make your regular monthly payment. The stuff that you're in the rears on, we're going to catch that up. But if you don't make that payment every single month, the bank's going to go into the bankruptcy court and get permission to foreclose. And, and I think that's a great point you made that a lot of people forget is that, yes, the third chapter 13 bankruptcy stops a foreclosure, but that doesn't mean you can stop paying, right? You have to make that payment. In addition to that, Attorney Kraft, help, help our listeners understand about their kind of financial situation when entering a bankruptcy. And specifically, I've talked to tons of people over the years who say, hey, look, I just don't make enough financially to maybe pay whatever mortgage payment is available. And so I'm going to file bankruptcy. And 
don't think that's a good idea because again, you're going to get yourself in a situation where you are just taken out of the bankruptcy and lose it as an option. So help people understand what type of income you need to have to be able to support a bankruptcy plan that works. Sure. The, the bankruptcy, what, what it's not going to do, it's not going to restructure that loan. Okay. It's going to take your arrearages and pay that off, but we're not going to be able to, we have no authority to go into the bankruptcy court and change the terms of that loan. Your payment is going to be what it is. I can't change that through the bankruptcy. So when we're putting together a chapter 13, we got to put together a budget and this budget has to have all of your expenses in it, all of your income in it. And at the end of that budget, we have to show that you've got enough money that's disposable income every month that you can make all those required payments like house payments and uh, utilities and things like that and have enough to make the bankruptcy payment to the bankruptcy trustee. If we can't put together a budget that shows you have enough money to make the payment to the trustee, you'll never get your plan approved. And in thinking through that, right, if you put together a plan and not you because you wouldn't do that, but if a different attorney put together a plan and they didn't have enough meat and they didn't have enough rigor to show the bankruptcy trustee that this person can pay, what would the bankruptcy trustee do? Well, the trustee won't won't uh, recommend confirmation of your plan, first of all, because you're going to have what's called a confirmation hearing where the trustee has to go into the court and say, hey, they've got all their ducks in a row. Everything's lined up here. The budget looks good. We recommend, you know, confirming this plan. The trustee will never recommend it if you do not have enough disposable income to do that. Now, you did say something interesting. You said, I would never do that if, if we didn't have enough money. And that's not necessarily true because sometimes people will file a chapter 13 just to buy themselves time right? Just to stop that foreclosure from happening. And maybe they've got something else lined up. Uh, you know, Hey, I'm getting a big bonus from work in 30 days or 45 days, and it'll be enough to catch me up on my house payments. Right. And so in that kind of a case, we might file that chapter 13 just to stop the foreclosure. And then before we get to a confirmation hearing, they've got their big bonus or grandma has, you know, money coming in from here or some other source. And they're able to come current and then they just let their chapter 13 case dismiss. They keep making their payments. So that, that happens occasionally. But what we what we run into most of the time in that kind of a situation, DJ, is, is I have to tell them, well, something got you into this position to begin with. Right. And so they, they have to tell me what's going to change. Right. You might be getting a bonus from work that's going to catch you up on the arrearages. But what's going to change? You know, six months from now, if you are making the exact same amount of you were, money you were making before, um, you have the same expenses that you had before, you're going to be right back in here again, behind on house payments again. So how many times can somebody file Chapter 13 or just bankruptcy in general? There's, there's really no limit to how many times they can file a bankruptcy. There can be some limiting factors as to how soon you file them back to back. And whether you received a discharge in a bankruptcy, that can limit whether you're entitled to a discharge in another bankruptcy later on. Um, but there's really no limit. And I'll give you an example of this. I have, an, I have an episode on my podcast, actually, where I talk about this, this scenario where I had a lady come in and needed to file a Chapter 13 to stop foreclosure on her house. And when I pulled up her record of bankruptcies, um, I would have been the 23rd bankruptcy, I believe, that she had filed. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. 23 bankruptcies. Yeah. And I was fine to do it. I told her, you know, I'll, I'll pay your 23rd. That's fine. But you're going to have to pay all of my fees up front, which is not normal for a chapter 13. 
you know, she got upset about that and didn't come back. And I was fine with that. And, you know, she was mad at me and said, well, why, why won't you file the 23rd one for me? Why do I have to pay everything up front? And I said, because those other 22 attorneys that filed those cases for you never got paid. And I'm not going to be number 23 that doesn't get paid. So I'll do it for you, but you're just going to have to pay up front. Uh, but there's really no nothing limiting there. Now, what what can happen, though, is if you're continually filing a bankruptcy to stop a foreclosure, the bank is going to come into the bankruptcy court at some point and ask for what's called in-rem relief. They're going to come into the bankruptcy court and say, hey, this person keeps filing bankruptcy. We don't want that bankruptcy to apply to this property. So no matter what, if they file again, it's not going to apply to this property and we still get to move forward. So if they get that in-rem relief, the bankruptcy is going to do you zero good when it, when you're trying to stop the foreclosure. You mentioned a couple points there um, because you kind of just got my lights, <laughs> like my, my head thinking, about to make my head explode, actually, when you said 24 times somebody filed bankruptcy. But what games have you seen people play? And specifically, I say, I've seen people file chapter 20 bankruptcy, chapter, you know, 31 bankruptcy. And what I mean by that is that, you know, they file a chapter 13, then they file a chapter seven, then they try to file a chapter 11, all in the hopes of just prolonging and causing more legal headaches for their their creditors and things like that. What games have you seen people play around around the bankruptcy world? Well, those are exactly the kind of games that gets the bank to come into the court and get that in rem relief when they start seeing these kind of games. And one of the more common ones that we'll see is that when you've got, say you've got a, a husband and a wife who are both on the deed to that house. So the husband goes in and files bankruptcy. That thing takes, you know, three to five months. Uh, nothing happens. It falls apart. The bankruptcy dismisses. Then it takes the bank another three to five months to start moving forward on a foreclosure again. Then the wife comes in, she files a chapter 13 to stop the foreclosure sale. And the whole process starts again, round and round. That's when the banks get hot and they come in and say, you know, look, enough of this nonsense. They're playing games. This is our property. They're not paying for it. They're using the court to try to live rent free and they'll get that in rem relief. So we, it's, it's not totally uncommon to see those, uh, those types of, you know, games. No, absolutely. And one of the things I always like to tell people is that if you are in foreclosure and you start playing games with your lender and your servicer, 99.9% .9 of the time, they have more attorneys on staff and more attorneys in their Rolodex than you do. And it becomes uh, a, a bad thing for the homeowner. And so just keep that in mind. Definitely use bankruptcy and, and other tactics to your advantage when needed. But keep in mind that the more and more you play the game of chicken, the, the worse it can become for your situation if you would want to keep your house, right? Well, and the less likely they are to work with you in the future when you do have a missed payment. You know, banks, believe it or not, most of them uh, are not terrible to work with. If you've got some big life crisis and you call your mortgage company and say, hey, I had a family member die, I had to pay for a funeral or something like that, they'll be workable with you. But if you've been in this, you know, cyclical thing of filing bankruptcy and playing games with them, they're going to be a lot less likely to work with you on those situations. If you file that bankruptcy and you're in that situation where the bank is ticked at you, all I can say is you better follow through with that bankruptcy because that's the only way to lock the bank in is to actually get the plan confirmed, keep making your payments and complete that bankruptcy. Now, you mentioned that in a chapter 13, you have a payment plan where you're paying back your arrears, you're making your monthly payment and it has to be confirmed. Right. But in a chapter seven, 
you basically said that was a liquidation. So if I file chapter seven bankruptcy and I'm in foreclosure, what happens then? Well, it's going to temporarily prevent the foreclosure from going through. Okay. So we can file that chapter seven. It's going to stop the foreclosure just like the chapter 13, because there is what's called an automatic stay. The automatic stay is put into place when you file a bankruptcy and it doesn't matter whether it's a seven or a 13. That automatic stay is a section of the bankruptcy code under section 362 that says the bank cannot move forward with any collection efforts. Okay. So it stops them temporarily. But what the bank's going to do next in that chapter seven situation is they're going to come into the bankruptcy court and say, hey, listen, they didn't file 13. They filed a seven. They haven't been making their payment. They're in arrearages. So there's no plan for them to catch up on the arrearages. We'd like to go forward and foreclose on the house. So they'll file a motion. It's called a motion for relief from the automatic stay. And then the bankruptcy court's going to look at that and say, well, look, you know, they filed a seven. They have no plans on catching up these arrearages. So we're going to let the bank go ahead and foreclose on the property because property belongs to the bank. It's their property. Got you. So if I am a person, right, who maybe I'm just bad with money, right? I don't know how much money I have coming in. I don't know how much money I have going out, but I have this house. Maybe the house is worth $500,000. My mortgage is like two fifty, dollars right? And so there's a good amount of equity there, but I just don't have enough money to pay my bills. And, and I say, hey, I don't want the house, but you know, I didn't think to call an agent or things like that. If I file a chapter seven and the, and the bank sells it, or you look at the situation, can I still get money from that? Well, it's possible, but you're not going to get as much. And it's not the bank that's going to sell it. It's going to be the chapter seven trustee that's going to sell it because the chapter seven trustees job is to look at the assets that are available and take those assets. So in your scenario, the trustee is going to go, hey, I got a $500,000 piece of property here and there's only $250,000 encumbering it. I'm going to take the house. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to pay off the bank for the $250,000 and whatever else I get, I'm going to use to pay the creditors, the other creditors in this case, credit card companies, medical bills, whatever it is. So in that kind of a scenario, it's, it's a terrible idea to do that uh, most of the time. And here's why. That chapter seven trustee has no incentive whatsoever to sell that house for anything more than paying off the mortgage, paying your creditors and paying himself or his attorney for their fees in taking care of all that. So, you know, you might in your scenario, let's say you have, uh, you know, $50,000 worth of debt on top of the 250, the trustee has really no incentive to sell the house for other than, you know, 300, $350,000. So you're much better off in that scenario. If that client comes to me, I'm going to tell them, hey, you're going to lose the house no matter what. Let's get the house sold right now. Right now. Let's get it sold. Now, if we can't do that before the foreclosure happens, I'm going to say, let's file a 13, not a seven. Once you file the seven, you're locked in. And that seven trustee, when they see the value of that house versus what's owed on it, they'll start salivating and they're not letting that case go, man. They're taking that house and selling it. So in that kind of a scenario, I'm saying let's file a 13 to at least stop the foreclosure while we've stopped that for the next 30 to 60 days, whatever it is, get that house on the market right now so that you can maximize the value out of it. Got you. And, and you hit on a, a key point. You said if somebody came to you and they and they told you this story, right? My understanding is that we don't need attorneys to help us file bankruptcy, do we? Um, legally, no, but if you're smart, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yep. that, that, that was my lead in question. <laughs> yeah, and I've got, I've got another episode on this where I go into much more detail on it, but if you, you can get away, a lot of people can get away with filing a chapter seven on their own. The danger is 
they don't usually realize what's at risk to lose. And so they file that seven on their own. And then the chapter seven trustee is appointed and starts taking assets. And all of a sudden that person's like, well, I, I don't want to lose this. I don't want to lose that. Too bad. You filed bankruptcy. It's property, the bankruptcy estate, turn over your cars, turn over your house, whatever it is. But you, you can get away with doing a seven much simpler than you can if you file a chapter 13. A chapter 13 will almost never go through and complete without having an attorney present there to, to make it happen. There's just too many moving parts, too many things that have to mesh together in the budget, in the plan, and everything else. So yeah, if you, if you file a 13 on your own, um, chances are your case is going to dismiss or you're going to come and find somebody like me and say, please take this over and save it. Absolutely. And I uh, agree with Attorney Kraft a thousand percent. This is not an endorsement for any specific attorney, but the bankruptcy courts are very complex and it is to your advantage to have someone who understands exactly what they're doing, what they're doing, exactly what the court wants, exactly what they're looking for, because there are so many different ways to get tripped up in the process. And the other part about that, and this is a lead in question for you, Attorney Kraft, is that your bankruptcy fees can be paid paid as a part of your bankruptcy plan. And so to that point, Attorney Kraft, how exactly are you paid in the process or how exactly are bankruptcy attorneys pay through a bankruptcy plan? Sure. Well, for a chapter 13, the fees are actually set by the court. So the court will set the, the attorney's fees at, in Utah, it's uh, three different tiers of fees. And I don't know if every state does it that way, but every state does have a set fee for the attorney's fees. And then it's up to each attorney to decide how much of that fee upfront they're going to collect. Whatever they don't collect upfront will get wrapped up into that plan, right? So for example, in, in Utah, let's say the, the court sets your fees at $4,000 in attorney's fees. Well, I usually only take about $300 in, in a normal case. If it's a more complex one, or again, you know, if I'm going to be attorney number you know, 23 filing for you, I'm going to take more. <laughs> but, uh, but if it's a normal case, I'm going to take like $300 of that up front. Uh, the other $3,700 is going to be spread out over the life of that plan. So every every month that you make your payment to the trustee, a tiny little piece of that is going to your attorney. So you can get into a 13 for much cheaper than what people think. And that's that's another thing that makes a 13 very attractive. Absolutely. And and to your point, don't most of the time bankruptcy attorneys give people free consultations just to say, hey, let me look at your situation before they charge you anything? Yeah, the smart ones do if they want to retain clients and get, <laughs> get clients. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've got to you've got to offer some incentives there. I, I have never charged for a uh, for an initial consultation. I will charge if you know, if you come in and sit down with me for a uh, half hour, 45 minutes, and I feel like we need another hour because you've got some very complicated issues, you're going to pay for that second visit, uh, but always a free consultation for for my office. And most most every bankruptcy attorney I know will do a free consultation. So listeners, please make sure you keep that in mind, that if someone is charging you a lot of money just to come in and just look at your situation, you may want to get a second opinion from somebody else who, who won't charge anything. At the end of the day, most attorneys out there are great attorneys. There are a couple slime balls out there, but for the most part, most attorneys have your best interest at heart and they want to make you sure you get to a better place, right? On that note, you know, when people are looking for an attorney, um, if, if you're trying to find out, you know, who to use, who's a good bankruptcy attorney, because the truth is, honestly, there's some really bad attorneys out there. If you want to know who a good attorney is, 
don't call around and ask the bankruptcy attorney who the good attorneys are because they're going to tell you it's them, right? <laughs> call around, talk yeah. to a divorce attorney, talk to 10 divorce attorneys, talk to a criminal defense attorney, probate attorneys. When you start getting the same name coming up over and over again, that's who you want to call. I just had a guy call me the other day. He said, man, I've been calling around talking to bankruptcy attorneys. And I finally started calling around talking to divorce attorneys. He said, I've had three divorce attorneys give me your name. So I figure I might look over here. So yeah, that when you, when you get the same names coming up from different attorneys, you know, that's probably a pretty decent attorney. So thinking about bankruptcy, I'm like, man, I, I think this is the route I want to go. I want to file bankruptcy. What does that, what is that going to do to my credit score? What is that going to do to my prospects of either holding, owning a home again if I file Chapter 7 or if I do Chapter 13, maybe being able to get a different car or, or something like that in the future? What happens to my credit? All right. Those are some big questions. Okay. So uh, if we if you got more time, go listen to my podcast on this issue. I've got a couple episodes on that. But uh, Attorney Graff, uh, shameless plug. What is the name of your podcast? You've dropped it three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bankruptcy 101. Okay. Uh, go check that out because I do have some episodes where I go into a lot of detail on these subjects. So I'll give you a couple just summaries on what you talked about. On credit scores, number one, if you're ready to file a bankruptcy, your credit score is probably already kind of in the tank. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, it's going to drop uh, no matter what. If you file a bankruptcy, that credit score is going to drop. Now, how far it drops, we don't know because the credit bureaus use some kind of algorithms in putting those things together that... It's impossible to tell. But what I have noticed in my career is it seems to be that the higher your credit score is when you file the bankruptcy, the lower it falls. It doesn't fall by as many points. Okay. Now, when I file a bankruptcy for somebody, I pull their credit report and I pull from a source that will also tell me what that debtor, that client of mine can expect their uh, credit score to be 18 months after we file bankruptcy. So kind of a nice tool that I can go, Hey, you know, your credit score's here. You can probably expect it to be here after 18 months, but no matter what, it's going to, it's going to fall. The other question people want to know is how long is that going to stay on my credit, right? Well, if you file a chapter seven, it's going to stay on your credit for up to 10 years. If you file a chapter 13, it's going to stay on your credit for about seven years. Now that was, that was question one. What happens to my credit? Your other question was, you know, can I buy a house? And yeah, you can buy a house. It just depends on what chapter you file and how long you have to wait. Um, there's a there's a lot of different factors that go into this and in deciding whether you can get a house. But namely, if you're if you do a chapter seven, typically you're going to have to wait for at least two years after your case closes before you'll be able to get like an FHA loan or something. If you do a chapter thirteen, you have to be in your chapter thirteen for at least one year. And you have to make your payments to that chapter 13 trustee on time every month for that one year. So that's another big benefit to doing a 13 is that in the middle of that 13, you're in the middle of a bankruptcy. I can get you qualified for buying a home in the middle of that thing. So, you know, if you wait till the 13 closes, you have to wait another two years. So you're much better off buying that house in the middle of your 13 than waiting till your 13 is over. Uh, that's a phenomenal tip and secret you just gave. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people would think that they had to wait until the chapter 13 was over before they start looking for a new house or looking no, for a house. No, that would prolong things, man. You might be, that, that might be a seven-year wait now because your bankruptcy plan was five years and now you got to wait two more years. You, If you are in a 13 and you think you're going to be able to buy a house, get a hold of your attorney and say, hey, let's get this done before the 13 closes. Absolutely. Now, 
And speaking of credit, like, do you recommend or, or think those credit repair companies and things like that help in situations where you file bankruptcy or not even when you file bankruptcy, just when you have lower credit? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not a big fan of those organizations, uh, the credit repair companies, because typically what they do is they just go in and dispute every single thing that you owe, and then they fight over those uh, disputed items. And they don't tend to work out the way that you think they're going to work out. Uh, it takes a lot longer than you think. And it's been my experience that if you're in that situation, you're probably better off just filing a bankruptcy and being done with the whole thing. Once you file the bankruptcy, your credit score is going to start to come up automatically. There's not a whole lot you have to do because those creditors have to report to the credit bureaus that you're in a bankruptcy. And so you're not going to have the same debt to income ratio weighing against you. Um, and it's just going to kind of clean things up much quicker, nice and neat. That, that's been my experience anyway. I'm sure there's somebody out there that'll disagree with me on that, but I'm, I'm not a big fan of the big credit repair companies. You know, No, we, we, we appreciate your, your candor and, and your opinion on that. The other thing I was thinking about is a lot of folks who I have talked to over the years and, and work with in, in different ways have a sense of pride about their home. Then it's also a big shot to the ego when you get foreclosure papers, right? Will people know that I filed bankruptcy? Um, it's going to be a matter of public record. If somebody wanted to know, they could find it. Uh, there's no, It's not like it's broadcast on the news or in the newspaper. Um, there are certain local uh, papers that report it, but it's, it's papers that really are only subscribed to by attorneys and real estate agents and stuff like that. But on average, most of the time, no, people are not going to know. Uh, it, it's funny because people... People will file a bankruptcy wanting to keep it secret, and then they show up to their hearing for their bankruptcy, and they see their neighbor sitting next to them, right? So that, that <laughs> that's that's happened to me before. I was in court with one client, and I'm sitting there, and in walked my next door neighbors. I'm like, well, you know, you could have called Ooh. me. Oh, we didn't yeah. want to know. It's not a public record, but uh, it's not something generally that people know about. The average Joe is not going to find out that you filed bankruptcy. No, man, that was a hilarious story. You probably could have saved that for your uh, for the bow tie round. But but with that, let's get to my favorite part of the podcast, which is our bow tie round, where our listeners get to tie one on with our guest, Attorney Roger Kraft. Um, the B in bow tie stands for your best advice for someone in foreclosure. The O stands for one thing you are grateful for right now. The W stands for your wildest or most interesting foreclosure or bankruptcy related story in your case. Um, Attorney Kraft, What's your best advice for somebody who's facing foreclosure? Get with an attorney first. Get with them right away. Don't wait till the midnight hour before the foreclosure. You know, don't too many people sit there and think that, you know, great grandma's going to die and leave me some money or I'm going to get a better job next week. Don't wait. Those things don't happen. Get with an attorney right away so that they can get a plan formulated and get you going on that. Um, so get on it early. That's my best advice. Awesome. Awesome. One thing that you're grateful for right now? Uh, man, I'm grateful for my clients. Uh, every single day I come into work and I get to hear people's stories. And uh, you were talking a, a little while ago about whether people find out you filed bankruptcy. You know, most of the time, uh, it's not a big surprise if somebody finds out you filed bankruptcy because most of my clients, they don't file bankruptcy because they're bad people. They don't file bankruptcy because they're bad with money. They file bankruptcy because something bad happened in their life. 
And, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity that I have to just sit down across the desk from somebody and listen to their story and tell me about, you know, this horrible events that have happened in their life that led them to this point. And I love being able to help them, man. I love people not losing their houses. That's awesome. Man, I can definitely hear the passion in your voice. Um, With that, what is your wildest or most interesting uh, bankruptcy or foreclosure related story? Well, man, I probably already spilled the beans on that one. I'm going to be that lady who came into me that wanted her 23rd case filed. Uh, you know, d- just just having that experience. I, I have filed a lot of cases uh, for multiple clients. You know, I've, I've got people that come to me every four years, every six years, and, and I filed bankruptcies for them. But uh, every once in a while, you just get that one where you go, oh, man, this is just not a good person. This is somebody that is just taking advantage of the system. And I, I had a guy come in one time that uh, wanted me to file a bankruptcy, had not made a house payment in two and a half years and was still living in the house and, and had not filed a bankruptcy. He was just able to just kind of mess with the mortgage company, whatever he was doing, but two and a half years it took to get to this foreclosure point. And he was upset at the bankruptcy plan payment that I gave him, but I'm like, Dude, you got two and a half years worth of mortgage payments that we have to pay back <laughs> five years. It's a lot of money. You know, and he was really upset. And I said, hey, listen, bottom line is I wish that I could have lived in my house for two and a half years without making a mortgage payment. But that but that house belongs to the bank. They they own it. You got to pay for it if you want to keep it. So some of those stories, you know, very rarely do I hear one that raises my eyebrows. But, you know, the lady with, with 22 or 23 prior cases, that one raises the eyebrows. No, a hundred percent. You know, uh, one of my attorneys who does closings for us always says, if you pay, you stay. If you don't, you won't. Right. It's as simple as that. Um, and with that, I just want to kind of reiterate that although attorney Roger Kraft is an attorney, he is not your attorney. And so everything he said today is not legal advice. It is just information. And with that information, it's meant to make you become empowered and for you to make go make better decisions. Um, Attorney Kraft, can you please let our listeners know kind of where to find you, how to stay in contact with you if if they need help in Utah or if they want to reach out? You bet. If you're in Utah, you can find me at uh, www.rogercraftlaw.com or you can just call me on my phone. I'm very accessible. It's 801-255-8550. So if you're in the state of Utah, you find yourself in a situation where you think you might want to consider bankruptcy, give me a call. If you're not in the state of Utah, call somebody in your state and call them now. Don't wait till the last minute. Also, please, 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 if you have more bankruptcy questions, check out his podcast, Bankruptcy 101. Uh, That's where I stumbled across him. And it's just a wealth of information. It gives you a holistic overview of bankruptcy and is just a phenomenal, phenomenal resource out there. So please check it out. A great podcast. With that, this wraps another episode of the Foreclosure Fix Podcast. Do us a favor. If you like the content and information you receive, like, subscribe, and share with someone who can benefit from the information. As always, I appreciate my guest, Attorney Roger Kraft. And for my listeners, thank you so much. I love you and God bless you. See you next time. The views and opinions on this podcast are for informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice. If you have a specific legal question, we highly recommend you contact a qualified legal professional.